Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. I'm Michelle Martin. Asia Pacific shares are rallying this morning. Tokyo is up 1.7%. Seoul and Sydney are both up more than 1% as well. Now, today's gains follow several recent sessions of a wash of red as well as a mixed performance on Wall Street overnight. Joining me now as we break down all the market action. Good Friday morning, Ryan Huang. Good morning, Michelle, and happy Friday. And to you, it's a long weekend. It is a long weekend again. Yes, it is, Ryan. Don't come to work on Monday. All right. So, see you on Tuesday. Bye. Okay, stay for the next 15 minutes. We begin this morning for the second straight day with the world of cryptocurrencies. Panic in the crypto markets appears to be subsiding, at least for now. Yesterday, we talked about how the stablecoin Terra has proved to be anything but stable. Terra lost its peg to the US dollar and has plunged to about 36 US cents. Its sister token Luna is now nearly worthless. Terra's crash is significant because many crypto investors routinely used it as a bridge for their transactions. Contagion effects have largely been avoided, though, which isn't to say that some investors didn't try to bring down other stable coins. The world's largest such token, Tether, experienced a mini crash overnight. So, Ryan, what happened? And did this stable coin, Tether, survive? Yeah, so it looks like we had uh, 24 hours where the crypto space just went into chaos. And the good news is, it seems like the jitters are abating. Some sense of stabilization is coming back. So good news, Tether is surviving. And also the Terra form or Terra Labs um, behind the Terra USD stablecoin, that's been going through a bit of a reset. They've been trying to reset the blockchain behind it to try to show up confidence. So that's another factor that's helping to soothe some nerves. But by and large, we saw a huge swing in 24 hours. $200 billion worth of market value being wiped out from crypto markets. As we saw, like you pointed out, the two stablecoins just collapsing, not so stable after all, and bring up a lot of questions. Do these stablecoins really work? And questioning fundamentals of what was supposed to be one of the more successful experiments. So that's something that I think investors are trying to still digest. So it's not out of the woods yet, even though uh, some arguments are pointing to there is no contingent effect, but it may still be too early to really conclude that is the case because uh, market jitters are still abound going by some of the movements in some of the markets that we're looking at overnight. For example, we saw the S&P 500 on the brink of heading into bear market territory and swinging between gains and losses and recovering from a huge loss of nearly 2%. So that's just reflective of how volatile markets are these days. Indeed, but the recovery from the crash has soothed some traders. We've even seen some coins that underpin decentralized finance protocols advance like ApeCoin, which rose roughly 25%. But the world's largest and best-known cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, continues to come under selling pressure. It is currently trading below $29,000 a token, and some analysts believe Bitcoin could drop to 
21,000, even as far down as 12,000. Quite a far cry from just six months ago. Remember that when Bitcoins reached towards 70,000. Ryan, Mark Cuban of Shark Tank is a strong advocate of crypto and blockchain, but he, what he sees is echoes really of the early 2000s dot-com bubble in terms of what's happening now. How is he framing it? Yeah, he's got a few good points around what's happening right now. And he is comparing it to the tech boom in the 2000s, dot-com boom in particular. So this is where he's comparing it to how back in the day, if you remember, we had a lot of tech companies and companies who put on the word dot-com or put an E next to their name just to fit into the trend and just to attract investors. And many of them did not have some business models, but still managed to attract a lot of shareholders. And that just lifted the entire market higher and higher until we had what's now known as the dot-com boom or bubble. So that is something that he is saying, hey, this, this seems very similar because a lot of the coins coming out, a lot of the projects coming out around the cryptocurrency space, they don't actually contribute a lot of value. They are just copying or imitating what's been successful before. So all the iterations that are coming out right now, the the next projects that are on the horizon, they are not contributing much to the space. And in time to come, the markets will price it correctly that they don't actually have any fundamental values. And he thinks that will then shake up the crypto- cryptocurrency market and see a similar potentially similar scenario to what happened with the dot-com bubble that burst. So he's framing this as a lull that we could get over and move on to big Mm. gains. Another note in this space, you'll recall, did you have something to add to that? Yeah, on that point of a lull, right? If you look back in 20 years, even though we had a bubble, we did see some of those names surviving. Google, Mm -hmm. some of the big tech names, Apple. So even though we are seeing what some people are saying is a correction. Some of these tech names will survive and become stronger. So the trick here, I guess, is to look at what will be the more fundamentally sound um, technologies, perhaps. Yeah. Another note in this space, you recall that the Central American country of El Salvador became the world's first country last year to make Bitcoin's legal tender. Well, Bitcoin's depreciation could now possibly impact the country's financial stability. What's happening with El Salvador, Ryan? Yeah, you might remember El Salvador for being bold enough to make Bitcoin legal tender in the country. And they are apparently paying the price right now because if you look at what's happening with their holdings of Bitcoin, the government, remember, spent $105 million to buy up Bitcoin to put in their treasury. That, of course, has now gone through quite a bit of a slump. It's now only worth $66 million. So that means they have lost nearly 40% of their portfolio, which is around $40 million. That is larger than the next coupon payment on their foreign debt, which is $38.25 million due in June 15th. So that is um, something they will have to figure out if it's still worth holding on to Bitcoin or are they going to double down? What a route for El Salvador. Now, what do you make of everything that's been going on in the crypto world these past days, Ryan? Do you agree with Mark Cuban that some are going to go bust, the phoenixes mm. will rise from the ashes? We talked about this briefly. We said some names, the bigger names are going to survive, some technologies are going to survive. What's caught your eye? Yeah, I think what's interesting coming out from all this is all the conversations that are now happening around what actually is stable, what is a stable coin, and 
what needs to be done in terms of regulations, what needs to be done in terms of protection for retail investors. So it's a big wake-up call. A lot of questions are now being asked. And I think it's a good thing that this happened before you know, a lot of people got hurt in, well, at least not in the scale that it could have been. So that's a great wake-up call. And also, if you look at what Mark Cuban said, he also brought up the fact that Things take time to really take off. If you look at what happened to the internet, we had internet for some years. It didn't really become what it, it became until we had things like cheaper broadband, broadband that's really accessible and available. So that took a while for the suppliers or the vendors or the service providers to really roll out all the infrastructure and get that to all the general public. So it did take nearly 20 years for us to reach where we are right now, where it's just almost a public good, almost like electricity yeah. or water. So mm. it does take time. And in the same sense, the crypto world is still quite nascent in its early years. So looking at what he mentions, it's just 10 to 12 years into crypto. So maybe in time to come, it will go through the same journey or growing up phase as the internet. Yeah, the cryptocurrencies are mired in a deep downturn, but the next question is always, and now what? You don't want to be the guy still holding on to the fax machine, right? Saying, yeah, faxes are never going to be replaced. And, and then along came email and how our lives change, right? Let's move from the world of cryptocurrencies to social media. More specifically, I want to talk about the Elon Musk report. Twitter and Tesla shares have both taken a tumble this week. Twitter shares have fallen about 46 US dollars. That is well below Musk's offer price. Remember, $54.20 was what he was offering. The company's market cap has tumbled 9 billion US dollars. Now, why is that? Are investors less convinced now that Musk purchase of Twitter is going to go through. Hmm. I think you've got a couple of reasons why we are seeing this play out the way it is. Now, Twitter shares down partly because people not expecting it highly, uh, at least pricing in some expectations that it might not go through. So that is just becoming more unlikely as we see the prices become lower. So that's one. The other thing they are looking out for is the legal issues playing out around Elon Musk and his lack of disclosures around his shareholdings back when he was talking about how he had 9% of Twitter shares, but he apparently did not say it early enough according to some of the claims filed by some of the shareholders who say, no, this is not fair. And also one of the issues is how uncertain his financing of the acquisition is right now because it's partly backed by Tesla shares and with what's happening with the tech slump in the markets these days, that is also contributing to the uncertainty and jitters around the entire deal. So that is pretty much what's happening right now. People or investors just thinking, hey, this is something I don't want to be a part of. Let me get out of the market right now and get rid of Twitter shares. Twitter looks like it's in a state of limbo. But despite what may be happening in the markets, Musk is bringing more investors on board, which means he may no longer need a margin loan linked to his Tesla shares. Now, that could alleviate some of the pressure on Tesla's share price, which has dropped more than 25% over the past month. In the meantime, we're seeing signs of a shakeup within Twitter. There's reportedly a hiring freeze and two top managers have been let go. Fill us in. Yeah, so quite a bit of a shakeup. So you have a very interesting picture happening in the background where you've got staff movements ahead of that takeover deal if it does go through. So some high executives, high-level executives being let go and they include two general managers, one for consumer 
and one for another part of the business. And apparently, they did not quit. They were told to go. So it looks like there's a clash of vision or expectations when it comes to what might happen if Elon Musk does take over. So all these changes are already happening ahead of the buy offer. So there also is the element of some executives not happy with how things are playing out. They are not happy with how the vision is being laid out by Elon Musk for Twitter, the uncertainty as well. So that's also a part of it, moving to greener pastures. What Twitter is facing right now is also similar to what many other tech companies are facing in the business landscape. They are freezing hiring and also just a bit more cautious about the business landscape right now. So this is all happening ahead of the Elon Musk deal. So a lot of uncertainty just building up ahead of that takeover. Ryan, if you had to place odds on it right now, what do you think are the chances of Musk's purchase actually going through? I would say it's a tough call. So you have on one hand that $54.20 offer, but if you have the stock price way below where it should be, which is $45.08 right now, it is something he is paying a huge premium for. And if it goes down even further, that question mark becomes even bigger. So that is a big question mark. Will he be willing to pay the premium? But you could argue that, hey, this is the richest guy in the world. He can afford it to get what he wants. So maybe he could just stump up the cash and just get a deal done anyway. All right, let me switch angles. Do you think then that that could be a good arbitrage profit from buying Twitter shares now? (laughs) So that is a very interesting (laughs) idea because if it does go through, you can expect the stock price of Twitter to shoot up the roof once that offer price is on it. Uh, It's going to be a big ask for your risk appetite. Are you in for uh, what could be a big big maybe? Maybe it could. Maybe it might not be. So it's a very tough one to call, Michelle. (laughs) I'm going to zoom out now and take a look at the overall markets. Inflation and recession concerns once again top off investor minds today amid all the concerns about whether the US Federal Reserve can engineer a soft Landing. Now, what's the latest on this front? Yeah, so you have Jerome Powell. Of course, he's been saying, you know, things are going to his script, the Fed's script, rising interest rates can be absorbed by the market and the economy because the fundamentals of the US economy are rather strong. We are seeing labor market tightness, wages going up. So that is enough to warrant rates going up. But at the same time, he is now starting to change his tone somewhat to say, hey, we might not get a soft landing after all because of things out of his control. So he's highlighting how the environment is so uncertain. You have what's happening around the world in terms of geopolitics, the Ukraine war, the China lockdown. All these things have no interplay effects where you can have a knock-on impact just seeing things take a turn for worse, especially the slowdowns in Europe and China. So that's a big factor he's flagging that maybe you need to be a bit more cautious right now. Another headline caught my eye this morning, Ryan. CNBC writing it's bad news for the entire market when Apple has a big drop. And Apple is indeed down 8% over the past week, dragging the indices down with it. Is it fair to say that Apple is no longer seen as a safe investment, Ryan? 
Yeah, Apple has been many things and it's actually been evolving first from a tech company and then slowly into a place where people flock to in times of uncertainty because it was just that huge, so safe, uh, very predictable company. And it's the go-to place where people are trying to find, I guess, a relatively safe place in the markets, just parking their money there because they think, hey, nothing can happen to Apple. Mm. So that equation seems to be changing somewhat with questions being asked if Apple is indeed immune because we've seen that slump happening across the tech sector and Apple has been part of that slump. And Apple facing the familiar challenges facing the rest of the world, supply chain challenges, and also the slowing economy just hampering the consumer sentiment. So it can be bad for the market because they will now have a harder place to find or harder time trying to find a place to park their money. And also Apple being as huge as it is, when things don't go well for Apple, you can also expect all the ecosystem of supply vendors, supply chain suppliers, all also possibly seeing a similar effect as well. So it could be uh, something that could play out in terms of ripple effects. Apple shares are currently trading at around 144 US dollars a share. A number of observers are concerned by this level. They note that before, Apple consistently found support at the 150 level, but not this time. And that makes it more challenging to know where the bottom for Apple and for the market overall is. Now, one more note, Singapore Press Holdings stops trading on the Singapore Exchange today. The former owner of this radio station is delisting following the successful purchase of the company's non-media assets by Cuscaden Peak. All right, Ryan, it's time for more corporate news. Are you ready for our game of up or down? Let's go. Let's look at the retail investment platform, Robinhood. All right, Robinhood is going to be an up for me. So they've gotten a vote of confidence from the CEO of crypto exchange FTX. Sam Bankman-Fried has bought a 7.6% stake in Robinhood. Mm, And Robinhood shares have popped more than 20% on the back of that news. Definitely an up in my book for Robinhood. The property developer Sunak China Holdings. Mm, This is going to be a down for me. So they are the latest Chinese property developer to miss a payment on their bond. So, warning, it could default on even more. Not great news for China or the property sector. So, now, joining more than a dozen developers, including China's Evergrande, that have defaulted on dollar bonds in the past few months. Now, what makes this particularly noteworthy is that the company's founder, Sun Hongbin, has been a white knight for other embattled companies, but he couldn't keep his own from defaulting on a bond payment. So, down for Sunak China Holdings in my book, Li Kaxing. This is going to be an up for me, at least for Singapore. So they, uh, at least the Kashin's family office, is coming to Singapore to expand. So Horizons Ventures is opening an office here to find new deals and support its portfolio companies trying to expand in the region. Definitely up. One of Hong Kong's most successful tycoons setting up a family investment office here in Singapore. We'll keep an eye on that. Sasa Reed. This is going to be an up for me. So what's in store for Cecil Reed is plans to refinance its debt right now to help to stagger it more across the board to spread out the timeline. And with that in play, they are hoping to mitigate their risk levels as well as to get some level of savings uh, once they can get refinancing done. So that's going to be up for me for Cecil Reed. 
Yeah, Sasserit's distributions per unit up more than 3% to a record level. The company is also optimistic about its debt financing prospects. And finally, Ryan, Gunting Singapore, up or down? Mm, I'm going up. So it's Hmm. reporting a 17% rise in net profit for the first quarter. This is off the back of YC's encouraging gradual increase in footfall to RWS. But the point to note is they are a bit cautious about the pace of the recovery because of the limited flight schedules happening right now, the high airfares. So they are not expecting boom times yet, but still encouraging signs. All right, let's turn to Singapore now. We are 24 minutes into the local trading day. The Straits Times Index finished in the red every trading session so far this month. The blue chip index extended its losing streak yesterday, falling nearly 2% to 3165. Every single blue chip stock except SGX lost ground. The worst performer, Yang Zichang Shipbuilding. That tumbled 11% amid concerns about inflation and the global economy. So what is the picture like this morning and are there any signs yet of bargain hunters stepping in? Yeah, Michelle, looks like um, Friday could be the day. And we are looking at a turnaround so far this morning, up 1.4% at 3000 207. So that's off the back of a seven-day losing streak. So that's something investors are watching very closely to see if that could turn around for the STI, which has only two counters in the red right now. Quite a different picture from yesterday. And we have at the bottom, Singtel down 1.8% and Fraser's Logistics and Commercial Trust down 0.7%. So that's trading X dividend today. At the top of the table, uh, we've got the likes of Capitaland Integrated Commercial Trust, higher by 3.6%, followed by Maple Tree Commercial Trusts, Dairy Farm International, Samcorp Industries, and SGX extending its gains from yesterday up by 2.1% at 9.70. Thanks very much. Enjoy the long weekend, Ryan. Before acting on the information on Money FM. Please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.